we're back. It's Jack McLean here from Prepare Like a Pro. Super excited tonight to catch up with Benjamin Frith at the St Kilda Football Club for a live chat. Before I do, though, I just want to give you guys a quick intro to what we do here at Prepare Like a Pro. We are a strength and conditioning business that specialises in athlete development for footballers. If you're interested, work with us. We work with athletes all around the country. We are based in Melbourne for face-to-face training, but you can follow our, our training program on the app of Team Builder. And we do remote coaching via Zoom as well for lifestyle consultation as well as assisting with your training program. So I can see Ben's jumped on. Oh, he's done the request. After he jumps on. Hey, mate. Going well. Thanks for jumping on. Uh, thanks for having me. And uh, congratulations. We prepare like a pro as well as Ed's training now, mate. We'll be seeing a fair bit of each other in 2021, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah spot on. It's good to, good to be on board both platforms or both businesses. I'm really looking forward to it. They're both um, really exciting opportunities. So. Uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, uh, pleasure, mate. Um, really excited for this chat. I'll, I'll quickly go into your intro for those that don't know you, and then we'll, we'll get cracking straight in, into the questions. For those that are joining us, if you've got a question for Ben, make sure you use the question button at the bottom of the screen. We'll definitely spend a good few minutes at the end for questions, so feel free to send through some questions, guys. A little intro for Ben. So after completing his bachelor's degree in exercise and sports science uh, and a master's degree as well in high-performance sport, Ben has spent the last six years in footy. He's worked in all different types of Victorian-based elite football programs, being VFL, VFLW, AFL, as well as AFLW. He's currently responsible for the strength and conditioning, rehabilitation and sports science load management at the St Kilda Football AFLW program, where he's the high-performance manager. And he's very passionate when it comes to developing robust and powerful athletes for the game of, of football. Take us back to the beginning, mate. At what age did you recognise that you had a passion for fitness, health and sport? Probably when I realised I wasn't going to make pro sport myself. Yeah, yeah. Uh, pretty consistent trend amongst us S&Cs. Yeah, I reckon, yeah, probably about oh, 15, 16, heading into year 10, we sort of got to start to figure out what you're going to do for VCE and sort of what you want your, your life to look like. So obviously wasn't good enough to make it in any sport professionally. Cricket was my sport when I was growing up. Thought about going down the law path just because I like to argue oh, yeah. and most people spend a lot of time around me. We'll get to know that a bit. Yep. Figured I probably wasn't going to get the ATAR required for that. So sort of looked into the sports science um, pathway and then sort of through VCE in my PE subjects, we got a couple of, went and did a couple of well, like placements or excursions, I guess you'd call them at a couple of places. I think one was Monash Uni, guys Research Australia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Piqued my interest and then sort of, yeah, went went from there. I think going into my first preference out of VCE might have been physio. Didn't get that. Went into exercise and sports science at ACU with the, sort of the idea to transfer across after a year or two. Sort of just really liked the course and stayed in it. And yeah, I think I did my master's straight out of undergrad, which smashed that out. Yeah, oh, that's sort of how I was thinking at the time. But yeah, in hindsight, maybe I'd do it a little bit differently. But yeah, that's sort of how I got my start in, in footy anyway, is through an internship in my master's. And I sort of you know, got my foot in the door and sort of tried to work hard and do the right thing and sort of your own. Yeah, fantastic. And uh, yeah, so if you had your time again, you would delay when you did your master's. So you still do your master's, but yeah, um, how, yeah. how would you do it differently for, for SECs uh, that are maybe just finished their bachelor's or about to? I'd try and get involved at the local level. Okay. That is, you prepare like a pro is a perfect example of, of what I would try and do at a local level or even junior footy or an under-16 side or something like that. Even like local footy is becoming quite professional these days. A lot Absolutely. of clubs and C's now. I think it's a really good opportunity for the young up-and-coming S&C coaches 
to actually have an influence on a program, not just put cones out, see what other coaches are doing, actually get exposed to making decisions, getting stuff wrong. Potentially, probably don't like to admit it, but we, we make the wrong decisions and stuff goes wrong and people get injured or stuff like that does happen from time to time. So I think it's it's really important to get exposure to the responsibilities of running a program, ideally before you have to do it when there's there's more on the line. It, whether it be Absolutely. Yeah, exactly right. And it's not being an assistant isn't the same as running your own program. It's close, but it's it's not the same. Like when you're making calls on should a player play coming off a of rehab or what what what's a certain person going to do for a, an important training session coming up uh, close to round one, which is where the AFLW is at the minute. We're a couple of weeks away from round one, so that's an important time of the year. So yeah, if you can make those decisions when and get ex- experience when the stakes maybe aren't so high, I think that's really important. So that's probably what I do. I'd look to do that straight out of you or probably yep. even during second or third year when they maybe do my master's a couple of couple of years down the track because I think if you're going to try and get into pro sport it's basically a must have these days have your bachelor's you've got to have a master's you probably need master level two and you know one maybe one or two other things so yeah it's, it's Obviously, we all know it's a really competitive industry. That's sort of the way I chose to go about it. But uh, there's lots of different ways to skin cats. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so did you have during your decision making from going from bachelor's to to master's as well as the last six years working up the ranks in football, have you had a mentor or, or someone who's been a strong influence? Have you had have you had many? Feel free to name drop as well. That's completely on here, mate. But uh, yeah, is there anyone that sort of pops up to mind that has had a strong influence on your career or is it many people that have helped you? Yeah, there has. Probably probably one that sticks out is a guy called Steve Falcone who is in, he's in the role at Saints, very similar to the role that I know you had when you were at Hawthorne. He's, this year, he was the high-performance manager of the Sandringham Zebras, but he was also a full-time SNC coach with the Saints. I spent two years under him at Sandringham, and he was a really good... He's a, he's a quite outgoing person, and that was really good for me to sort of see the, the more softer side of coaching and getting buy-in from athletes and all that stuff, not yep. just the, the hard skills of sets and reps and conditioning and all that type of stuff. Yeah, he's probably my biggest influence and then another guy was Simon Carney who was a former he was a former sports science guy at the Saints he sort of got me in my internship at the Saints which is sort of where all this started from another guy is probably Marcus Krieger who's he's the rehab guy at, at the Saints he's been really really good to me learned a lot from the rehab side of things and then probably just a couple off social media because you know, I don't think you really need to have I mean, it's good to have mentors personally, but in this day and age, you can you can learn so much off of so many people through social media and the internet. Probably Kia Winner Flat, more commonly known, get through the road coach. Really like the way he thinks. Derek Hansen as well, sort of the microdosing of speed. That's had a big influence. Uh, Derek, Derek's going to come on soon. I just mentioned oh, him. He cool, got cool. back to me today. Yeah, so we'll uh, yeah, tee that up. Yeah, on the microdosing of speed in team sports. Yeah, uh, big fan. It makes a lot of sense to me. And then another one is probably a slightly controversial figure, I guess, would be Miladin Ivanovic. Yep. I really yeah, so I, I really like it. sort of the way he thinks, and he's a bit contrarian, and he might stir a few people up. But he's we all had really... the, uh, the strength. Co- what was it? The strength card that was a yeah. popular spreadsheet that we borrowed for a while there. I reckon. I still routinely go back to his type of uh, sorry his tip manual, and then what's the other one he's got? He's the strength. I can't remember what's called. It's only it's, I can't remember what's called, but he's got two volumes to it now. I can't remember the this, title of the book. Oh, a book. Okay. Yep. Yeah, they're probably the, the major ones, I reckon. Yeah, oh, there's a few there. So you, you mentioned an internship where I guess your, your journey began at St Kilda. How did that come about? So did you reach out to St Kilda? Was there a connection there in the club? Take us through how you got... Part of my master's actually. So you had the option in one of the semesters of the master's to go out and do an internship and I took that opportunity and Saints needed someone to come in and help out 
Originally, it was supposed to be with the GPS systems. I can't stop internship role, come help out. But it sort of more evolved into working with the physios. And sort of a part of as part of my internship there and a part of the Masters, you had to do a research project, which or the, the club that you were taking, that were taking part in your internship had some benefit to them. So for mm-hmm. me, it was shin splints and looking into the factors that, or the risk factors for shin splints. And then sort of from there, I did that for that and some hamstring and groin monitoring once a week. Yep. Did that for a couple of years and after, uh, in this, going into the third season, I sort of got a sports science assistant role, mainly doing GPS, but still with the, the hamstring and groin load monitoring. And then one day I was just sort of sitting in my office, sitting in the sports science or in Simon Carney's office, the sports science guy. Um, they came in and goes, oh, do we, anyone that might be interested in doing the SNC role for our VFW program? And he just sort of goes, well, why don't you do it? Thought, well, give me 24 hours to think about it. I was still playing cricket at the time. I was still pretty pretty keen on my cricket at the time. And I knew yep. it was going to clash. For the weekend. Was, yeah. Yeah. I knew I was going to have to make it some point. And I have to give cricket away for, if an opportunity came up. So, yeah, I dove in and here I am three and a bit years later. Four years yeah. later. Fantastic. So did St Kilda have an AFLW program at the time? Or no. So they didn't have any program, women's program at the time. They had a license for 2020 and then they had, we had two years in the VFL leading into W. So we sort of built, I was there from the very inception. I've been the first person hired. I think I was there before the head coach was, which is a little bit of information. The head coach was there from our first session, but she didn't actually get um, announced until well into the pre-season. But yeah, I've spent two years in the VFL and this is our second year in AFLW. Yeah. yeah. And from a physical point of view, what... What are the different demands? Obviously, it's, a, it's the same sport, but when it comes to the male and female demands of the game, do you prepare a female footballer different to a male, or is it the same? Oh, I guess the principles are, are the same. It's just the specifics. So, obviously, the male's game goes for longer. They cover more distance. They're covering at higher speeds. And then, obviously, within women's game, the ACLs are the big yeah. talking point. Maybe it wouldn't, it's not as different as you maybe think it is. I mean, good training is good training. Um, yeah, yeah, yep. We still do the basics. We still lift. We still sprint. We still do jump and land work. We started doing some Olympic lifting variations in the last two seasons. The girls seem to really enjoy that. Yeah, I mean, good training is good training. It's just more the volumes aren't quite as high because the game doesn't go as long. And the men's game, apart from 2020, where with COVID, 110 to 120 minutes. The women's game is barely 80. So, okay. a lot of volume, probably the biggest variables because you just don't have to work up to the, the weekly training volumes that you do with the men to build that kind of load. So they're probably the major differences. I mean, you're still trying to get them strong. You're still trying to build muscle mass. You're still, still trying to get them powerful. Mm. You're still trying to avoid hamstring injury or soft tissue injuries. And then obviously the ACL is probably the major the major difference, but it's not yeah. that different. Yeah, there was a football club I was talking to, I won't name it, but yeah, they were saying a couple of years ago, they brought on a, a ACL rehabilitation program since this, but yeah, they had five ACLs in the under-19s team in, their first, in their, you know, one of their early years. So since then, they've, they've consulted with a physio. But, yeah, five girls had to go through the full rehabilitation, which is, you know, if you've only been playing for a couple of years, it's not the nicest way to be introduced uh, yeah. to, to a sport. Is there something that's – like, is there a couple of things for, for young female footballers that might be watching that they should be – if they've just started playing and maybe they have transferred from another sport or, yeah, and they, and they want to – they're nervous about an ACL and they want to – get on top of it early, what, what would be some of the advice you'd give those girls? I would probably say start training in the gym, get strong. The way I sort of look at ACLs, at least from, from an SNC's point of view, is our major, obviously our major point of focus is mostly in the gym, so mostly trying to build strength. The more technical side of things is, at least in my mind, is, is to be dealt with from the sport coaches, so tackling techniques. But there's certainly things that SNC coaches can do, whether it be DCL technique, proper change of direction mechanics, all that type of thing. But if you yep. really start off 
like you're just fresh into the game, get in the gym. It doesn't have to be, you don't have to lift heavy, as you would know, um, right from the get-go, but just start something. It'll hold you in good stead along the way. Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting topic. Women's, well, as yeah, ACLs and women's footy, because the league's only been, this is going into its fifth year, and there's still a lot of cross-coders playing the game. Uh, there's still a lot mm. of cross-coders across and being really successful, and then there's a lot of really young, talented girls coming in to clubs who, at least if you compare it to the men's game, you top maybe your first round pick might might play round one in the men's game. Yeah, they're the getting exposed earlier. You might have your first four picks being your best side come round one with a shortened yeah, season. Right. Yeah, it's a, it's a challenge because you can't you can't wrap them in cotton wool because then they'll be underdone for round one and you don't want to expose them to too much training because then obviously the risk is high throughout the pre-season. So yeah, it's a, it's a pretty fine balance. I'm hoping that across the three, four years' time, it's, it's less of an issue. Absolutely. And so a little bit more to, to talking about your current role now. So managing the program, obviously 2020 would have, would have had its challenges, but what were some of the hardest things that you had to manage during 2020? Probably the motivation for the girls to train was probably one of the hardest things and probably equipment for the strength side of things. Obviously, gyms will, in Victoria, gyms were locked down for, oh, what was it? It was about three months, wasn't it? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that was a challenge. I'm not sure if I should say this, but I will anyway. So we, we had the old facility at Seaford that we went and raided, distributed out as much as much equipment as we could to the girls. So at least most girls had a barbell or heavy a heavy dumbbell so they could still goblet squat RDL. They could still do some form of basic strength training throughout the lockdown. Um, yeah, that's a good touch. Yeah, yeah. seems like it seems to be a common trend with footy clubs. Yeah, and then like we had a program, I we had a program for them to do throughout the length of lockdown, but it was more just the motivation of um, trying to keep them engaged for two, three, four months before we came back. Yeah, and we get officially got cleared to begin pre-pre-season training in I think it was October tenth, and the season got called off at the end of March. So what's that? Six months of sort of training partners at the very best and we had a couple of girls who were fortunate enough to be able to go up and quarantine in Darwin and ended up at Darwin. Another girl did that, went back down to South Australia. The two, well, we had three girls get surgery. We had two girls do ACLs last year, so sort of trying to rehab them remotely was a big challenge. Girl getting Achilles surgery, um, had to go in for a a clean-up sort of midway through lockdown as well. So that was, there were a couple of Pretty big challenges there, trying to get good loading into the ACL girls remotely. Mm. And one of our, one of the girls went up to Darwin and down to South Australia. So trying to link her in with someone up in Darwin and someone down in South Australia. That was it was all a bit of fun. Uh, yeah, but we got there in the end. Yeah, fantastic. And then the the girls that have, that perform really really well and, and reach it to the AFL. Is there a common trait or trend, whether it be mental side, lifestyle, or physical? Is there something that you do see in the girls that reach their potential? And guys as well. The guy side of things, it's it's the attention to detail. Well, not just the guys. It's the attention to detail and the consistency of effort. I think whether that be out on the field when they're doing their skills work or in the gym or with their recovery or with their diet or with their sleep. Yeah, they're probably the two big things. Oh, I'm not sure if everyone that's worked across both male and uh, female sport has noticed, but the, the girls tend to compare themselves, or at least I found they tend to compare themselves more to their teammates a little bit more than maybe the boys do. So just trying to get them to just compare themselves from last season or obviously the time trial is always a big one for footy players. So not comparing mm. themselves to a teammate who ran a minute faster than them, but compare themselves to where they were this time last year or this time six weeks ago when we ran it the first time. What time trial do they, they do? Is it 2K, 3-1K, uh, 3, 2K? Uh, 2K. Yep. Yep. Cool. And that, and. Is there a, you know, from that attention to detail in all areas, is there one that you think is, if you had to do that really, really well, that would be the one that you'd pick or, you'd, you know, that you'd, that's your major rock for a footballer? We'll, we'll go that's with it. the strength strength and conditioning side of things, I should say. Yeah. 
transition point of view? I'd probably say sleep, not necessarily anything in the gym. I mean, if you're, yeah. if you're not getting enough sleep in, it compromises everything you do. So whether yeah. that be the information you can take in your meetings to how you perform out on the track, how you perform in the gym, if we know it influences the foods you eat. If you're not getting enough sleep, you're more, you're more likely to eat high fat, high fat, uh, high fat more sugar foods. So that's probably the biggest one. And it, obviously yeah. in this day, it's hard to guess eight hours sleep just with all the, the distractions that people have these days. So that's probably the biggest one. It wouldn't necessarily be anything training related. It's probably mm-hmm. just like it'll have down, downstream effects on everything you do with your training. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. And it's it's something that being a team sport, the physical side of things in a sense is, you know, the easy part because you get to do it with your mates and game day, you're going to be motivated. Yep. But the things you do away from the club is that can make a big difference. So that's that's a great message for, for developing footballers, both male and female. So thanks for that, mate. We'll, we'll go to 2021. I know we've had a couple of chats about some different things that have been thrown up at you and you've had to manage the, the scheduling and that sort of thing. So what is 2021 looking like for AFLW? How far ahead do you about when it comes to the fixture and what are you guys excited about as well for, for this year now that footy should be back, I guess? <laughs> yeah. Obviously, the COVID situation is, you know, it's ever-evolving. Queensland have gone into three days of lockdown yeah. as of a half ago, so I actually don't know. But imagine so. But yeah, I'm excited for round one. There's been a lot of work done by a lot of people, obviously players and coaches involved in that since we finished, since the season was cut short. Whenever that was, March 26 or something, I think it was uh, earlier than that. We had a pretty pretty solid first year, I think. I think we probably went a little bit better than a lot of people thought we would. So yeah, I'm I'm really excited for round one, and then the the season as a whole. It'd just be really nice to get it away. It'd be really nice to get a season yeah, away. Fingers fingers crossed. Absolutely, I'm sure I will. Sorry, you go. I was just say you know you'll get just to get that exposure back to hearing the song and getting a win and, and those things when it's been longer than a year it starts to feel a bit distant. But yeah, that would be pretty amazing for the club and, and everyone involved, obviously players but but staff as well that right along the journey. Well, thanks for for catching up, mate. Yeah, like I said at the start, it's, it's going to be a good year where uh, we'll. We'll be able to work together both through Prepare Like a Pro where you're a coach looking after some, some of our athletes as well as at Edge Training, which we open on, on the 18th of January. So we'll, we'll do some coaching together there, which will be fun and some, with some classes. But And best of luck with, with everything with St Kilda as well with, with round one around the corner. I'll try and watch the game. Go Saints. Mm, yeah, thanks, mate. It'll be fun. Looking forward to working with you. Awesome. Lightweight, Ben. Thanks for everyone that's joined in as well. Catch up.